If you thought of the original crime-fighting character who was a millionaire playboy by day while fighting crime at night dressed in a black cape and was a multimedia star of movies, radio, books, and comics, you'd be forgiven for first thinking of Bruce Wayne. As dominant as the Dark Knight is in present-day pop culture, he wasn't the first. That honor would go to the star of 1930s radio and pulp magazines, who asks the question, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow Knows. The Dilettante, a Ferrochrome podcast. In 1930, New York publisher of pulp fiction and paperback novels, Street and Smith, decided on using radio to promote the sales of their pulp publication, Detective Story Magazine. Instead of radio advertisements, they decided on having the magazine narrated on air, with the on-air announcer having an ominous delivery suitable to the genre. To match the voice, the narrator needed a name, and after various titles were considered, it was decided to call him The Shadow. In the summer of 1930 was born the radio show The Detective Story Hour, with the short stories from its companion magazine being narrated by the mysterious Shadow. As the radio show progressed, there arose a problem in branding brought about by the popularity of the Shadow's narration. Potential customers for the pulp were asking for the Shadow magazine, which was not technically the title of the magazine the show was promoting. Street and Smith, sensing an opportunity, decided to create a magazine called The Shadow. And for that, they needed a writer. They found one in prolific pulp veteran Walter Gibson. With little initial direction, Gibson decided to create a character of the night who, while on the side of good, more resembled Dracula in his attire, also sporting a slouch hat fedora with a signature red scarf covering his mouth. His real identity would be vague, but he would be a master of disguise and use various personas to integrate himself into the different stratums of society, whether it was down in the Bowery with common criminals, or among the elite rich of society, where a different breed of crime lurked, he was judge, jury, and executioner for those he deemed guilty of crimes against humanity, with due process not on the agenda. He also seemed to have an almost supernatural ability to blend into darkness, his arrival unknown to those he hunted, until he announced himself with a sepulchral laugh which seemed to emanate from everywhere and nowhere. He was like a ninja decades before such a concept would be known in the West, with there being hints he had trained in a Tibetan monastery. If his criminal prey made the mistake of retaliating, or even worse, fleeing, they were met with flashing nickel-plated automatics, which never missed their target. While there had been precedents for crime-fighting characters with secret identities, such as the Scarlet Pimpernel from 1905, or Jimmy Dale, the Grey Seal in 1914, the shadow was different in aesthetics and ruthlessness. His gothic demeanor mixed with modern scientific techniques created a milieu with a heady tension between the protagonist's unabashed darkness and his unwavering drive for justice. One of the shadow's melodramatic quotes, the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay, the shadow knows. 
hinted at an unsettling omniscience, with little mercy for those on the wrong side of the law. The first issue of The Shadow Magazine debuted in April of 1931 and was an immediate success. Gibson, writing under the house name Maxwell Grant, hit the ground running, evolving some of the details of The Shadow's character in subsequent issues. Its success prompted Street and Smith to increase their publishing of The Shadow Pulp to twice a month, with Walter Gibson writing both issues, which suited him fine as he was a prolific writer, averaging about 10,000 words a day. Gibson also had an ongoing interest in stage magic, and had ghost-written books for magicians such as Houdini and the Great Thurston. He would incorporate his insider's knowledge of magic and prestidigitation into the shadow novels as part of the hero's skill set. Soon other ghostwriters were brought in by Street and Smith to augment Gibson's efforts and also as insurance in case his twice-monthly output should falter. The Shadow had a cadre of assistants from various disciplines who, while not knowing his real identity, aided him unquestioningly whenever he called. Their loyalty was often in gratitude to the Shadow for his help to them in the past. When in disguise, the Shadow might use the identity of someone who actually existed, which was the case with his identity of Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. In this case, the real Lamont Cranston discovers the Shadow's impersonation and objects to the deception. When the Shadow threatens that this identity theft could become a permanent situation, the real Cranston wisely demurs. With the great success of the Shadow magazine and a return to his roots, it was decided in 1937 to feature the character in his own radio series. As with any move to a new medium, there were some changes in the character. This time he actually was Lamont Cranston, and instead of a cloaked Avenger of the night sporting two automatic pistols, he had an ability learned in Tibet to cloud men's minds, so he became invisible, an easy special effect on radio. He also lost most of his squad of assistants, instead gaining a companion in the lovely Margot Lane to help with and occasionally be rescued in their various adventures. The show was sponsored by Blue Coal, with the Shadow himself occasionally shilling for the home furnace fuel. The first actor to play the Shadow was a 22-year-old upstart, Orson Welles, with his colleague from the Mercury Theatre, Agnes Moorhead, brought over to be the first Margot Lane. Wells was the enfant terrible of Broadway at the time, sometimes hiring an ambulance to shuttle him across Manhattan to the radio studios from another engagement just in the nick of time. The differences between the pulp and radio version was confusing to some, with Walter Gibson, against his wishes, being forced to introduce the Margot Lane character into the Shadow novels to allow some congruency. Soon there were movie shorts, comic books, and merchandise, which had 1930s kids sporting the signature slouch hat and cape while laughing maniacally to imaginary felons or to their parents. Like any good entertainment property, it also spawned a host of imitators, characters like the Green Hornet, the Whisperer, the Spider, and in 1939, with the new medium of comic books, one of the most notable, Batman. 
while comic books with its long-form adaptation of newspaper comic strips would start to make inroads in the market that Pulp Fiction had dominated for decades, the two formats would coexist into the late 1940s when Pulps finally ceased publication. The Shadow Pulp would continue its publication until 1949, with the radio program finally winding down in December of 1954. There were some sporadic attempts at reviving the character in the early 1960s with some new paperback novels written by Walter Gibson under the Maxwell Grant pseudonym, along with a small run of the character, unrecognizable as a muscle man in a green and blue costume in the mid-1960s by Archie Comic Books. It wasn't until the early 70s where pop culture took an interest in the Depression era fomented by the success of the 1973 movie The Sting, which prompted DC Comics to revive The Shadow in a series drawn by Michael Kaluta and written by Batman veteran Denny O'Neill. This time there was an attempt to make the character faithful to his pulp origins by drawing mostly from the character's gothic roots as he fought Depression-era crime with a cadre of assistants, including Margot Lane. While it was a success and is fondly remembered and has been reprinted in book form, the sales weren't as high as DC would have liked, and they cancelled the series in 1975. While there were sporadic one-off miniseries from DC Comics, The Shadow wasn't truly revived until made into a movie in 1994. Directed by Russell Mulcahy and starring Alec Baldwin as The Shadow and Penelope Ann Miller as Margot Lane, there was a valiant attempt at combining the pulp and radio versions of the character with Baldwin as a reformed criminal warlord from Tibet, trained by a mystical order of monks to fight evil in 1930s New York. If this sounds at all similar to the Marvel film Doctor Strange, it just goes to show how influential various memes of the shadow are and how it still can spawn imitators. Unfortunately, the Shadow movie didn't perform as well as hoped, and the anticipated film franchise never took hold. And yet, the slouch-hatted Avenger still lives on in a fashion. Independent publisher Dynamite Comics has created a few mini-series of The Shadow, adding and embellishing his formidable backstory. While not remotely on the pop culture radar at the level of Batman, which has gone from strength to strength with live action and animated features for decades, one can still hear rumblings of proposed movie development for the original caped crime fighter. So who knows? The Shadow knows. The Dilettante, part of the Fairchrome Podcast Network.